church, what are you doing here? You know, there's lots of things that you and I don't get invited to, unfortunately. You know, I've never been invited to the Grammys, let's say. Never been invited to see, you know, a space shuttle launch. I've never even been to Green Bay, Wisconsin to see the Packers play. I think I may have more luck with that one than the other two. You know, if I got an invitation to any of those three things, I would so go. I would. And for all of us who have those memories from elementary school and the playground when they were picking teams, oh, there was nothing better than when you got picked and there was nothing worse then you were left standing on that playground while they're fighting over who has to have you on their team. Oh my gosh, you and I though get an invitation every single day from the Messiah. That's right, from Jesus. And that invitation is to live life engaged, engaged in his ministry and to do so in the Christian church more specifically in this congregation, in our church family. And we are to be sharing that faith and that hope and that love, almost like we're wearing those qualities. They're just a natural part of who we are and where we go in the course of a day. And it's a personal invitation, make no mistake about it. You are called to really live, not just exist, not just tolerate, not to live half-heartedly, but an all-in kind of love. So Jesus tells a story in the Bible about this rich guy, and he's going to throw a banquet. And the rich guy invites lots of really important people to this banquet, and that's pretty expected. And then all of a sudden, they start making excuses about why they can't come to this amazing banquet. One excuse after another, and they didn't come. So this guy, well, he decides to send his servants out, and they go out into the town to get a new batch of folks to come to dinner. But, you know, this time, he invites the unlikely people, the kind of people that don't get invited to very much. And the message he had for this new round of guests that were coming to his table is this. There's more room. If you want to go back out and get even more people, it doesn't matter what kind of people, just bring them on back. This feast is massive, and there's more room. That was it. That was the message. You may think it's not a deep theological thought, but perhaps it is, because it harkens back to Jesus, who just was forever getting in trouble with eating with the wrong people at the wrong time in the wrong house, and yet he made room for everyone. You know, I think life is like that banquet that Jesus talked about. I think God sends out his messengers to tell everybody out there that there's plenty of room. There's lots of food, and there's great conversation, and oh my goodness, if you come into the life of the church, I'm telling you, there is adventure. There's wonderful and generous and gracious, the best host possible, Jesus. 
You know, I don't think God is the kind of God, though, who forces himself on other people. If people don't want to come, Jesus isn't bitter. Not at all. He simply keeps going, keeps looking for others, keeps coming around back to the people who turn him down the first time and the second time. And however many times, Jesus is always on the lookout saying, hey, there's more room. Come and join me. You know, God pays attention to our hearts, enjoys when people want to get close to him. And then we have people saying in biblical times, well, how do we know God? We haven't seen God. And Jesus would say, you've seen me. And if you've seen me, you've seen God. Oh my goodness, accepting this invitation <clears throat> is to basically show up in life to all the places that Jesus calls us. You know, it's kind of like you come out of the sidelines of the football game and you just get right onto the field and the ball, you've caught it. It's about having things that matter enough to us that we stop thinking about the things that trouble us and worry us because we give them to Jesus. And we actually do something about the things that bother us in this world. You know, waiting for us to accept that private invitation will always be Jesus. And when we say yes and we come to the great banquet and he feeds us, body, mind, and soul, oh my. It's as if Bill Dunphy made a personal call to every one of us and said, you got to be to church on this day and this time. Wouldn't we all go? <laughs> it is Bill Dunphy. My goodness. And what if Bill Dunphy said, you know what? How about we do something new? Not that Bill Dunphy hasn't called me and said that, oh, many times. How about we do something new? I think God's calling us to do something new. You know, I think all that Bill Dunphy would expect is that we take the call and we answer it and then we figure it out together and we go together. That's just like Jesus. Jesus finds ways to make a difference in our own lives as we step out in faith to answer that call, to accept that invitation to make a difference in one another's lives. You know, that's called living a really big life. A big life full of that faith and that hope and that love. Three things that this world is starving for. My goodness, especially in the face of the chaos, right? The confusion. It's almost as if the world forgets about the church and then we show up and they go, Hey church, what are you doing here? And perhaps in the past, the church hasn't always stood up. The church, as and always, stood up and in between. I'm talking about the Christian church. So what are we doing as a church now when the world seems to be trapped in alternative truth, when there's so much division, when what was unacceptable 20 years ago is now acceptable? And how do we make sense of it? And now to say that we're Christians, it may cost us. It may mean standing against what is the norm and what is acceptable. So what are we doing 
to prepare ourselves for that while we're worshiping and we're praying and we're having Bible study and we sing and we enjoy one another's company and then we engage and we get involved and we do incredible outreach. We really know that we are called to make a difference in this world. I mean, here we are, and the answer would be, what is the church to do today? The answer is, we are here to show and share the love of Jesus Christ by loving others the way that he has loved us. Now, I'm not talking about a sappy love. I'm not talking about a love when it just feels good. I'm talking about a love that gets you out of bed in the morning. I'm talking about a love that holds the hand of someone who's going through cancer. I'm talking about a love that stands in between those who are oppressed, those who are in countries full of war. I'm talking about soldiers and first responders out in the field and to know that they're prayed for. I'm talking about the kind of love that's kind of like a bust me out kind of love. A love that went to the cross and that when the world thought Jesus' story was over, it turned out it had only begun because it all goes to the resurrection. And resurrection means we gotta be living faith and hope and love. You know, sometimes in acting faith, it looks like advocating. It looks like advocating for someone. Maybe someone who's in the hospital who doesn't really have a voice. Maybe it means taking that ministry of compassion and being there for them. You know, maybe it means having a ministry of food and gas cards outside of the budget that literally enables people to get to work and back to provide for their families. Maybe it's a, it's a food card to Larry's because you can get there on foot from this church when you have no home to go to. If you ever wondered, wow, what's a little gas card going to mean? What's a little food card going to mean? It means eating, literally. How amazing is that? You know, sometimes it also means getting out and walking in a crop walk for a couple of miles and raising money because there are folks around the world, our brothers and sisters, that have to walk for miles just to get water, just to get food. You know, sometimes living in faith and hope and love, it means, you know, taking our fully equipped church bus, not only out on a Sunday morning to, so that all may worship, but how about into Detroit with life remodeled? 30 of us out there, amazing, making a difference, 300 city blocks, six days, and we got to be a part of that through those who went to serve in that neighborhood. My goodness, all the things that Jesus is calling us to do, and we have no idea even what's coming next. And how exciting is that? So now when the world looks at us, perhaps maybe the world even in this community or neighborhood, and they go, hey church, what are you doing here? They're gonna go, oh wait, of course you're here. Of course you're here. And we're counting on you to be here. You know, we answer with the way we daily live our lives. 
in our abiding faith and hope and love in Jesus. We cannot do this life alone. We need each other. So we are here to show and to share the love of Christ with our hands and our feet, with our hearts and our minds, with our money and our will, with our whole selves, our whole lives, throwing it all in to follow Jesus out into the world. And when we go, we're going to bring forgiveness. We're going to bring worship. We're going to bring accountability. We're going to bring small acts of kindness and then some really big ones. You know, it means having a daily commitment to follow Jesus, who came not to be served, but to serve. And that is what we are doing. And that is what we are all about. You know, we believe that stewardship is all about changing people's lives. You know, we really do want to make a difference in this world, make it a better place, even more so. We believe that Jesus has called us to do that, to be his hands and feet. And for the Christian, it's not an, it's not an option to love, right? It's a commandment. So what we say in this house, in this body, is stewardship is what a person does with their whole life after they say these two words, I believe. I believe. You know, stewardship is not a code word for just raising money. A fundraiser is a fundraiser. It's a spiritual matter. It's a discipline. And it's definitely, definitely not we only give one season a year because we have to do it to meet the budget. Stewardship is all about loving God and loving others. And the more that we are able to contribute of our financial resources, of the time that we have, of the talents that God has given us, the more places we can go and the greater depth that we can have in this place of knowing what it's like to really love and serve each other. You know, we may never know the impact on the people of all those we serve. Just think about that offering that goes out. And it goes to faraway countries, and it goes to local organizations that the Presbytery funds, and it goes to this congregation and our work and our ministry that has to be vital. Because the decline that is out there of the church is real. So how do we stay vital? We are vibrant because Jesus loves us and calls us and expects us to go out in his name, to be his reflection. I mean, my goodness, mental illness, gun violence, war, racism, xenophobia, natural disasters, they are crushing neighbors. And then all the criticisms that are out there, all the negativity, it almost seems like it's the norm to just be negative all the time. Well, criticism is a luxury of the privileged, it has been said. And Jesus was a poor man. So I want to declare today, and we're all going to have to work on it, me included, I want this congregation, we as a people, to be a judgment-free zone. I never want to hear one more story about someone who said something that offended someone.
Not one more. I rarely hear it. We are a beautiful place. But you know what? I want to make it official. If I could have t-shirts with the circle and the thing right through it, I would do it. Judgment-free zone. Now, that doesn't mean we don't hold each other accountable. It doesn't mean that we don't tell the truth in love. But just pure judgment based on how people look, how people act. Oh, my gosh. Do you know that Jesus says he is the stranger in our midst? You see, our stories, yours and mine, the stories of this congregation for almost the last 90 years, oh my goodness, those stories are all about how people encountered Jesus in this place. And how did they do that? They encountered Jesus through you, through relationships with you, watching how you live out your faith and how you love and we won't have to tell them, and we won't have to ask them. They're just going to see it, those who come today and those who come tomorrow and those who come in the next 90 years because we are here to share and to show the love of Jesus Christ and how transforming that can be. You know, the power and the love of Jesus can take our offerings and send them out to transform people's lives. My goodness, to make a difference right here, right now, right where you are in life. You can do that. You know, we are greater than our circumstances, more courageous than our fears, because Jesus walks with us. The struggle is real in this world, and we are a part of that struggle, but we are strong. And life is tough, but you know what? Jesus makes us tougher. We are children of God, and we are loved. Remember this today and every day, and don't ever let anyone tell you you are not a beloved child of God. And let's not get the idea that since we can't change everything, let's not have that be the reason we don't change some things. This year... We're going to step out into the future with bigger vision, with greater faith, and greater hope, and greater love. And then this church, this mission station, it has transformed our beautiful building into a home base where we daily live out our Christian call to tend and to feed and to care the sheep of Christ's pasture. He has called us to follow in his footsteps by joining him in the mission of serving others. And side by side, we're going to listen to one another's stories. And we're going to learn from one another. And we're going to build our relationships even stronger on trust and discipleship. And we're going to reflect the love of Jesus Christ to others. And in doing that, you're going to find your own faith renewed. You're going to feel that love of Christ that is unconditional and that's the good news, you see. We, as a congregation, you and I, as individuals, we're going to just make more room for Jesus to work and live and love us. Hallelujah. Amen.